This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. The Jeff Fisher Show is on. All right, you're always going to be a day late and a dollar short. If you're a girl, yeah, I wanted a boy. If you're a boy, I always wanted a girl. Those are things you may have heard from your parents. I know I did. And so did Mike Edison, who's joining me now, publisher, musician, radio host, and author of You Are a Complete Disappointment. That's your latest book. Is that Are those words you actually heard, Mike? Uh, yeah, you, you bet, bet they are. They were, in fact, the last words my father ever said to me. And uh, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. It went down just like that. He was in a, in a hospital room in Arizona. It was Father's Day. I went out to, to visit him. I live in New York City. I went out to Arizona to visit him. Uh, I knew he wasn't doing that great. And he said to me, oh, I'm glad you're here. There's something I've been meaning to tell you. And, you know, he had this oxygen mask on, and the tubes were like, shooting out of his arms, and all this, you know, buzzing and beeping and all this equipment. He says, come here, a little closer. You've been a complete disappointment. And, you know, like, like wow. And he was just getting started. Just getting, I, mean, I mean, that was just the beginning. He said to me, said to me you're broken, and you need to be fixed. And you think you're a hotshot in New York writing books, but you're not. No one wants to read your crap. Wow. And uh, yeah, and then he said to me, he took like a nice pause, and he said, and you're the only person in this family who is fat. <laughs> Mike, are you me? I mean, are we the same person? That is oh, unbelievable. Man. So, and well, you know, I love you, you too, what, Dad. What, I was to say, what are you going to do? I mean, you can't swing back. I mean, it's a dying man. I mean, the guy's lying in bed. I mean, you just got to sort of take it on the chin, right? Or you bend the oxygen tube a little bit and say, excuse me, I didn't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He, 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 didn't, he didn't need my help. You know, you know, I, know. I mean, I mean they, they basically carted him off to die after that. So, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're laughing, and that's it's okay because, you know, tragedy plus time equals right. comedy and all that. Right. Everybody sure. like, laughs when I tell the story. Sure. I mean, you are, it, you are a complete disappointment. What you mean, like a like a like a Mick Jagger solo record? Right. But that's you heard that from him as he was on on his deathbed, obviously, as you said. But I mean, when you were you know younger, um, did you you grew up with your folks? So I'm, I'm guessing maybe he told you, you know, eh, you really need to. Yeah, it was it was it was uh, a tune I had heard variations of yeah. my whole life. Uh, you're never going to make it. You're not good enough. When wow. uh, I was a kid and I started playing uh, the drums, what are you wasting your time with that for? It's you're never going to make it. You're not you're not musical. You're not good. But you know, <laughs> it wasn't too long after that. I, I was you know on tour all over the world, opening up for the Ramones. So people clearly do, I had something going on. People and don't know I, what good music writing, is anymore. Me, no one's going to publish your, your, you. No one wants to read your stuff. And you know, it obviously worked out otherwise. Um, it, it, it's tough. I mean, the story could have could have ended otherwise. You know, I mean, it has a happy ending. The happy ending is, is me. You right. Know, I'm, I'm a happy cat, but uh, 
Well, boy, oh, boy, I'm hearing from lots of people who told me their parents were pretty rough on them. Ah, why aren't you as smart as your brother? Look at your, your – get a job like your sister. Look, be a lawyer. Be, be a doctor. You know, whatever. <laughs> but um, That's almost a book in itself. We should probably just do that book. Uh, just well, have people tell us their uh, their stories with their parents telling them what a loser they are. Yeah, well, you, you know, you know, there's an old joke um, about uh, the, the woman, uh, the first woman president, the first woman Jewish president, and she's and she's up on on the, on the steps of um, of the Capitol, you know, being sworn in. It's inauguration day, and her mom's in the audience, and she turns to the fellow next next to her, and she says, "See that? See that woman up there?" Up there on the steps of the Capitol, the one with her hand on the Bible, the guy next to her says, yeah. And the woman says, yeah, her brother's a doctor. <laughs> exactly. And this is never good enough That's for something. Never good enough. Exactly. So you, Mike, all right, so this is the latest book. I want, we'll hawk the book here for a little bit, and then we'll move on a little bit because you've had a fascinating life. And I would love to talk to you a little bit about uh, some of your travels other than just being called a complete disappointment by your father. I mean... <laughs> I mean, who hasn't had that done, Mike? Seriously. Um, so I can get it. Uh, it's up on Amazon. We can get it at your website, uh, MikeEdison.com, anywhere that books are sold, I'm guessing. That's right. Wherever better books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, MikeEdison.com is my website. And also on my website, there are tour dates. I'm out now on the road uh, bringing the message to the people. I'm like uh, the troubled troubadour of tomorrow. Nice. Just, uh, com- coming from town to town, uh, telling the story. And I, gu- I guarantee if you show up at one of my gigs, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Well, listen, the price is so low, we can't mention it on the air. So, um, you've, <laughs> you've we had- can get up in volume. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. So, I mean, all right, look, you've had a fascinating life. You've for years you talked about uh, uh, for years. I mean, for quite some time you were known for your uh, uh, participation in high times and marijuana. Um, are you surprised where we're at in America now with marijuana? I mean, this is what everyone was hoping for almost. Uh, I, I think I think it's pretty pretty great. You know, uh, I used to say when people asked me when I was the publisher of High Times, people would say, "Do you think marijuana is going to be legalized in our, our lifetimes?" And I used to think that it would be per se legalized, meaning they would stop busting people for it because people would realize the war on drugs was a, was a big loser and that it was really, you know, the, the price was so high, the price of people and people's lives was so high that they would just stop prosecuting it. But well, I guess what I failed to see is that someone was going to realize they could make money off of it. You know, you know, I mean, I forgot. Yes. That. I was always, I always figured that politicians were always going to be afraid to say, hey, let's legalize pot because – the next guy is going to say, look, he's soft on drugs and make it about the kids. Uh-huh. Look, he wants to give drugs to kids. Because that's, that's what they say, right? And now it's not too, uh, it's not uh, so soft on drugs. It's, uh, oh, man, they're putting way too much tax on it. Bastards. Uh, <laughs> um, well, you know, it's not, it's not legal in marijuana, but we've got a mayor who basically stopped busting everybody. Right. So it's still the, it's still the underground economy. I mean, for the record, I don't, I don't smoke that much pot. I had this. You know, in a reputation because I was the publisher of High Times and I wrote for them for a long time. And I am very pro pot, but I'm very anti slacker. Oh, there you go. Uh, I, I love you know, you for that. and that, that was always the problem over at High Times. You know, it was like Groundhog Day over there. We'd have the same meeting every day, every day, because no one could remember having the meeting the day before. Right, because it's, it's full of slackers. <laughs> Come on. Come on. But, um, you know, I like being part of the culture, though. I think it's, I think it's important. I think that voice is very important. Can we just clearly, run this? Clearly, they're on the right side of history. Can we just run the same picture of the Hawaiian bud this month too? That'd be great. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, absolutely. Now um, you're uh, you're gonna you're on the road. You're on the tour. Your website's going to show you on the road. So when we when we uh, when you're hearing this uh, today, 
you're going to be uh, out on the West Coast in San Francisco uh, spreading the Mike Edison love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to Friday the 13th in San Francisco at Books Inc. and Opera Plaza and uh, Oakland uh, at the Nomadic Press Space, cool little indie indie site. We're going to be shaking it up on, on Saturday, uh, the 17th in L.A., then we're coming back to New York City, the Upper West Side, Barnes & Noble. It's all, it's all on MikeEdison.com. We're going to Chicago, Milwaukee. I, you know, I'm a musician. I love being on the road. I like... Uh, you know, bringing it out. If you're in a band, that's what you do, right? You, that's you go, right. You, you, go to a t- you go from town to town, and, and you shake it up. And, Let's talk uh, I'm a- bringing my piano player with me, and I've got some great local musicians joining me. Uh, I, I, I think book readings can really suck. Author events can really suck. And people hear book reading, and, like, you can't, you know, they're already asleep before you're even done talking yeah, what you're going to yes. do. So yeah. I'm really, really trying to turn that all concept of what a reading and be on its head yeah. and, uh, you know, try to, try to keep it exciting. You know? That sounds so, fun. We were, were just out in San Francisco. I was just out in San Francisco a few months ago, and uh, wow, that was the first time I'd ever been there. I don't know how many times you've been to San Francisco, but they had it was uh, over the Super Bowl extravaganza, and uh, they had, uh, in parentheses, cleaned it up, and uh, it really didn't appear to be uh, that cleaned up. So uh, <laughs> while you're out walking around, Mike, um, just be careful where you step. <laughs> I see. I well, mean, it was I'll almost worse than New York. I, I, I love San Francisco. And uh, I was out there, though, a long time ago, 1984, and I was with this punk rock band from, from New York, and there were a lot of protests that summer. Ronald Reagan was being uh, – was the Republican convention was in San Francisco that summer. The Olympics were in L.A. Ronald Reagan was being uh, nominated for the second term. Uh, and we were, we were out there. We were playing gigs with the Dead Kennedys. and It was, it was pretty happening. It was a great – Right. I was oh, my gosh. Years. I was 18 years old or 19 years old. And I, I was uh, double-parked outside someone's house up in Haight-Ashbury, and a cop pulled up behind us, and he saw that the car was filled with hippies and punk rockers, and he wrote me up not just for double parking, he wrote me up for reckless driving. You know, it's like a zillion points in my license. <laughs> and this is what he told me. This is the best part. He said, he said, you should leave San Francisco and never come back. <laughs> I was thinking, like, what, what is this, high noon? But you I'm, know, I'm, you, I'm you, here. Some beautiful cops says, leave San Francisco, leave town. Never, never come, come back. back. It's so funny. Every time I go back to San Francisco, I know it's been 30 years, but I'm afraid I'm going to run into that cop. I'm, what did oh I tell man. you? I told you don't come back. I told you never come back. <laughs> never come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you saw some hippies in San Francisco. It must have been really shocking. <laughs> I had uh, never come back. Speaking of running into someone, I always think I'm going to run into my uh, uh, one old football coach who told me the football helmet was worth more than I was once, and I keep running <laughs> to run into him to have him told I told you. Told you that helmet was worth more than you. <laughs> yeah, the people we run into. It's uh, you know all, all my all my high school teachers who told me about my permanent record that was going to follow me throughout <laughs> my entire life. They're like, well, without that permanent record, I never would have been hired at high times. I guess. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, all right. The, my permanent record is on the air every day. You all see it every day. It's all part of the deal. All right. So, um, also one of the things that okay, so you're on tour with the Dead Kennedys. I mean, there's a fascinating group themselves. You were touring with the Ramones early on. You mentioned them. I mean, my gosh, man. There's some characters in both those bands just by themselves. Yeah, I was very fortunate. I came up playing rock and roll music in New York City at a time that if, that if you were good and you, you were sharp and if you, you worked hard, uh, you know, had something different, you could really make it. It was hard yeah. to be in a band. Being in a band in New York is hard. I mean, no one has cars. You, you can't set right. up drums in your house. You have to go someplace to rehearse. It's like nearly impossible. You know, you, there's no one has a garage or a basement. Right. Um, it's really hard in New York. But if you're, 
you know, there's a barrier to entry to really just be in a band in New York. It, it was tough. It's not an environment like, like, like Orange County where you're living in, you know, suburbia. That's why the punk rock from there sounds so much different than the punk rock from here. Um, but we did it, and uh, we got lucky, and someone said, hey, you guys want to, you know, go to, go to Amsterdam and make a record? Well, we'll take you to Berlin and London and Paris, and later I got to go to Tokyo and, and all these great places. I mean, never mind going to Seattle and L.A. and New Orleans and Austin. Right. You know, it was great, and it all because, uh, you know, I, I basically because I did everything my father told me I shouldn't do. <laughs> so it's almost, I mean, it's, it's good that you were a complete disappointment. Well, if there's anybody who was a disappointment in that relationship, sadly, it was my dad. And, you know, yeah. I don't want to give anybody the wrong idea. I know. I mean, the book, the book's kind of, I mean, it, it's heartbreaking, you know, to be told that by your parents and discourage your children. And the book's very funny, I hope. I know people tell me that they've been laughing out loud. You know, a lot, but also I'm getting nice notes from people who are, are crying because they say, my God, this is like my parents telling me you, know, you can't, you shouldn't, you know, and dashing your dreams. My father once told me, he said, I hate you because you are living your dreams and I never lived mine. Boy, doesn't that, isn't that make so much sense for and so many so people? it's so sad. To, I know. You know. It's just like, and he died screaming and yelling. So, you know, how, you know, what did I, I mean, he was a very successful guy. He, he made some dough in his life, but by following the straight and narrow and this very parochial set of rules, but really, where did it get him in the end? If you ask me, it bit him in the ass. Because if you go out screaming at your kid, you've got some seriously unresolved issues. Boy, no kidding. And I mean, there are all of us are you know are going to end up looking back saying we wish we would have done something. Um, you know, I, I don't know what that is for you or anyone else, but I mean, we all know what it is inside our own head, and it's too bad. I mean, I well, hope you don't. I hope you personally, for me, I hope you don't. But I, I'm pretty sure I will. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a frustrating time. Well, you know, this book is about being the person that you want to be, not the person you were told you should be. And I, well, what I know about people dying is they don't usually say, oh, I regret doing this or that. Right. They say, I regret not doing this. Mm-hmm. I, I regret, you know, not, you know, whatever it is, spending time with the kids. Or I always wanted to go parachuting. I never went to Paris. You know, whatever whatever it is. And what's weird in this life is most fantasies are actually achievable. It's really weird if you put your mind to it. I've heard so many people putting up walls for the dumbest things. I've always wanted to go to Paris. So go to Paris. Go. You know, I mean, meanwhile, I mean, they're spending their money every year. They go to Disneyland with their kids or they're throwing money at something else. But what's holding you back from anything? You know, any any fantasy, any sexual fantasy, any rock and roll fantasy. It's most of it's achievable if you just ask really nicely. So speaking <laughs> of speaking of sexual fantasies, um, you've written a number of uh, uh, sexual fantasy books. Oh and, uh, yeah, 20, 28 pornographic novels back in a I love you for previous that. life. I love you uh, for that. <laughs> my one of my first jobs when I when I. Uh, uh, dropped out of college the first time, and I, and I landed uh, this job. You gotta, you gotta understand. People say, "Oh yeah, it was before the internet." This was before there was videotape. Right. I mean, <laughs> okay, you were which was, yeah, you were looking which at really, uh, eight. You know, everybody today, thought it was cool to have the eight millimeter film reels. Eight millimeter was was the thing, I guess, at the time. I mean, I mean VHS tape was just sort of coming up, and of course, you know, I mean, that's 
pornography drove that technology, right? Of course. I mean, I mean, the whole world waited for the porn world to say VHS or beta, and when they picked a VHS, that's where everybody went. Yeah, that's and, correct. You know, and personal computers, streaming technology, pornography invented it all. You know, you have, uh, social media was invented by pornographers to, to put a bunch of perverts in touch with each other. But back <laughs> in the day, it was paperback books was the delivery system, and I and I got this job. I wrote a book a week. I wrote a novel a week, and I'll tell you what, that, that's how I learned how to write. I mean, to write on deadline and to, uh, to really sit down and just zoom along and, you know, pace and meter and, and to get it done and to be disciplined. You know, if you're, if you're hungover, screw it. Sit down and write. You're, you know, you got a problem at home. The girlfriend broke up with you. Put down your head and write. You want to, you know, go get stoned or, or play hooky and go to the ball game? Forget it. You got to write your book. Otherwise, you don't get paid. It was, it was a great lesson for me. Wow. To, uh, a book a week. A book a week until I burned out. I mean, there, there were some periods where <laughs> I kind of um, let it go, but uh, yeah, twenty. I got about twenty-eight books over the course what? of about almost a year. A book a week. How many? How many? What? How many pages are you looking at? How many words are you looking at for a book a no, week? No, there are like forty thousand uh, page page uh, books. Uh, forty thousand word books. You know, they were they were pretty, <laughs> a big type. Right, 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 right. <laughs> no, 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 no pictures, though. You know, there were real paperback books with beginning. Oh, and Mike, end. don't tease you know, yourself. Real, you know, conflict and resolution was very important. Don't put your, <laughs> don't put yourself down, Mike. The pictures were all just in the words. It's okay. It was, it was, it was, it was a different time. Yeah, know? no question about that. Okay, so now, I, also, I'll, before I let you go, we'll talk. Uh, we'll let you uh, talk a little bit about. Um, tell me a little bit about your podcast and what uh, arts and seizures is about. Oh. Well, thank you for asking. Arts and uh, seizures, as I, as I like to say. Um, <laughs> we're on the Heritage Radio Network. It's heritageradionetwork.org. And it is just like it sounds, um, arts and seizures, not arts and leisure, like the New York Times. Um, and it's a no-holds-barred rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of show. I, I co-host it sometimes with my friend Pete Zaremba, who's the singer of the Flesh Tones. And we've had... Got wow. some great guests, sir. They can be like pro wrestlers to local artists, poets. We had, I think, the best. We had Bobby Keys from the Rolling Stones on just before he died. And for me, as a as a fanboy, as a rock and roll fanboy, that was just the greatest. You know, Bobby was a saxophone player, right, for the Rolling Stones, and he was such a gentleman. He, uh, he you know, he, he wouldn't talk, uh, he wouldn't say anything bad about uh, the Stones while we're on the air. But the second the mic was off, oh man, he tore <laughs> <laughs> like, You know, he, you know, we had a few of them, and boy, he hated. Uh, that's Jagger. great. He hated Jagger. Like, you know, screw him. You know, he, you know, he, I mean, Mick wanted to pay him like a hundred dollars a night. And I'm talking about like now, right? Like, not, not like a 1966. Let's give <laughs> that's hilarious now speaking of uh wrestling now you've got me on i happened to read i came across i didn't realize this uh that you were a huge fan of uh, hulk hogan and uh hulk i, know, whoa, whoa. I used hulk i used hogan, to see hulk enemy that stupid lumbering yellow doofus i used that's, to see him i used to see hulk quite a bit uh when i lived in florida he and uh, his one uh, son went to school with my son for a while in Florida before the, and they pull, they pulled out of the school uh, right when they were beginning the uh, reality show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, after that, I really didn't see him much. Uh, after that, however, um, w- he is back in the news again with his lawsuit uh, and winning the hundred and forty million, and now he's re uh, you know building up another lawsuit against Gawker, and he wants more money from these bastards, and it's just a never ending battle. I think enough is enough from Hulk. 
I'll tell you what, I think Hogan owes me $130 million for having to watch him, you know, like lumber around the ring wearing that belt that he didn't earn for all those years. You know what Roddy Piper told me one time? He said, Hogan's such a jerk that he wears his spandex when he mows his lawn. Uh, that is absolutely probably true. I mean, the reality <laughs> you know, show showed that, us that, right? Yeah. On my first, the cover of my first book, I Have Fun Everywhere I Go, which talks about high times and uh, the days I was working in the wrestling business and stuff. There's actually a picture of me strangling Hulk Hogan. Oh, see? See? I root for the bad guys. I can't help it. I, I like the heels. You know? It's <laughs> the, the, the good guys in wrestling were never that interesting. No, they never were. No. They never were. All right, Mike, I know you're you're busy, and I, I, I've kept you a while, so I'll let you go. But Mike Edison, thank you very much. MikeEdison.com, the new book. You're hawking. You are a complete disappointment. And just always remember that. Take that with you. All right. The, you are a complete disappointment. Thanks, thank man. you. It's been, it's been great talking to you. Mike, I appreciate it. Yeah, on the road. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. The Jeff Fisher Show. That it is. 888-900-3393 is the phone number if you would like to participate. Coming up immediately following this broadcast today, Pure Opelka, Mike Opelka, although Charlie Harari is filling in for Mike today. And I I don't know if he's got a special separate giveaway. I understood that uh, Mike was going to be giving away, uh, or Charlie was going to be giving away a, a Mike opelka masks so that uh, you could all just hold up the mask and look just like mike and why in god's name anyone would want to do that i have absolutely no idea but you know hey listen in maybe you can win a an opelka mask so we got i've got a ton of stuff for you here on the jeff fisher show on the blaze radio network The Jeff Fisher Show, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. That it is. On the Blaze Radio Network, 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Welcome to it. All right. So, the Justice Department, Monday, sued the state of North Carolina, calling the anti-LGBTV law unconstitutional. And yes, you heard me. I called it the LGBTV. I left out the Q. I apologize. If I asked you, then yesterday... Well, they sent the big letter out. The big uh, uh, directive. 
sweeping mandates from our ruler on high, Barack Obama. There's no room in our schools for discrimination of any kind, including discrimination against transgender students on the basis of their sex. This guidance gives administrators, teachers, and parents the tools they need to protect transgender students from peer harassment and to identify and address unjust school policies. Schools want to do right by all their students and have looked to us to provide clarity on steps that they can take to ensure that every student is comfortable at their school. It's an environment free of discrimination that has an opportunity to thrive. If I asked you who the Secretary of Education was, could you tell me? Because I don't think I could have told you yesterday. Thursday, the 12th of May, if you said, hey, Jeff, the Secretary, the United States Secretary of Education, who is it? I don't think I could have answered it. I would have said, you know, that person who's really educated and works in Washington, D.C., that person. Well, his name is John B. King, Jr., And he said the letter comes in response to requests from schools and parents seeking guidance. Uh Uh-huh. The Justice Department on Monday sued the state of North Carolina. Then they send down the sweeping edict. Then Attorney General Loretta Lynch, God love her, in her speech announcing Uh, the suit. Uh, We see you. We stand with you. And please know that history is on your side. I could puke. That's where we're at in America. That's where we're at. Be sure to let anyone use any bathroom, no matter what, no matter when. And don't you dare, don't you dare question anyone ever. Oh, there's a new book coming out in Washington, D.C. And the book will be out all over the country and I'm sure probably the world. The title The Confessions of Congressman X. If you think about all these sweeping edicts and these great things coming from our rulers on high in Washington, D.C., and you say to yourself, you know, it's going to be Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, one of those three most likely is going to be your president, your ruler on high in the United States of America. 
We've all heard the stories of the Netflix show House of Cards, how much it resembles what goes on in Washington, D.C. In fact, Robin Wright has told us in an interview that uh, they, in their research, found that Washington, D.C. was worse. Well, now we have the Confessions of Congressman X. It's an inside look to the dark side of Congress. Now, it's, you know, it's, it's a whole 84 pages, so I might be able to get through it, actually. And, uh, you know, it's an anonymous, anonymous guy. It's uh, going to be written by Robert Atkinson, a former chief of staff and press secretary for two congressional Democrats. Says he took notes on the series of informal talks and now is publishing them with permission. Permission to publish these notes, but not the names. The Confessions of Congressman X. In the book, like most of my colleagues, I promise my constituents a lot of stuff I can never deliver. But what the hell? If it makes them happy hearing it, and they're stupid enough to believe it, shame on them. I contradict myself all the time, but few people notice. One minute I rail against excessive spending and ballooning debt. The next minute I'm demanding more spending on education, health care, unemployment benefits, conservation projects, yada, yada, yada. I'm for having everything just like my constituents. How ironic that most of us in Congress run against Congress and the culture of corruption we perpetuate. It's as if we're all, we've all lost our effing sanity. Business organizations and unions fork over more than $3 billion a year to those who lobby the federal government. Does that tell you something? We're operating an effing casino. Seniority sucks. Most of the leaders in both parties, House and Senate, are living fossils who don't exactly convey an attractive and vigorous image of Congress. We need to weed our geriatric landscape, replace longtime careerists with new blood. People who understand the power of collaboration. Political columnists, TV commentators, and talk show hosts are inherently biased and aspire to affect election outcomes. Pretending otherwise is a thing of the past. You're either red or blue, and there's no in-between. Little wonder voters flock to TV stations, newspapers, and websites offering them the partisan news slant they believe in. Journalists are a lot like politicians. The more elite ones are puffed up with self-importance and entitlement. Election campaigns are a pain in the rear. Unless I win. In which case, it's a nice ego boost. Then it's back to shaking the money tree and selling access to me and my legislative staff. It's important to cultivate a concocted image of myself to make sure that the public sees me as I want them to see me. It's brand management 101. I'm marketed no differently than a fancy car or athletic shoes. Those are just a few excerpts from Confessions of Congressman X. Yes, Washington is working for you. Can't wait to read that Confessions of Congressman X. Now, I get the impression as I thumb through that, it's almost like, you know, you watch House of Cards and you want to believe 
Then it's that, but you go, ah. In the back of your mind, you go, no, it can't be that bad. But you want to believe it. You go, I knew it. I knew it. I knew those bastards were like that. So when you go through, see this Confessions of Congressman X, you think, I knew it. And you're going to turn each page. And you're going to, I knew it. It's exactly how they feel. I knew they felt that it was far easier than you think to manipulate a nation of naive, self-absorbed sheep who crave instant gratification. I knew they thought that. Confessions of Congressman X. Now it comes out uh, the 24th of this month, I believe. So we'll look forward to that. See if it actually does make you feel like I knew it. Knew they were like that. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA, Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio, and of course, Instagram at JeffyMRA. A new study from U.S.-based food testing company Clear Labs has discovered from a sample of 258 burgers, two cases of meat in vegetarian products, Three burgers with rat DNA and one case of human DNA. That's not that bad, right? We're looking at three, four, five, six burgers out of 258. I mean, those are pretty good odds. The most likely cause, they claim, is hair, skin, or fingernail that was accidentally mixed in during the manufacturing process. Referring, of course, to the human DNA. What many consumers don't know, and this is a little highlighted version in this story, is that some amounts of human and rat DNA may fall within an acceptable regulatory range. Yes, that's absolutely correct. This, uh, (laughs) I used to, I'm really hesitant now to buy canned mushrooms. And I'll tell you why. And I, I I buy them now, and I I pour them out, and you know, and I, I rinse them real good, and then you know, you cook them up. It's very rare I buy canned mushrooms because we used to live next door to a lady who told me that she worked for the one company that used to can mushrooms, and you don't know what goes in those, Jeff. You don't want to eat those because with most food under regulatory guidelines, um, human and rat DNA may fall within an acceptable regulatory range. You don't know. You don't know what they allow in those, Jeff. Don't eat those cans of mushrooms. Okay. But if you're having a burger, right, the odds are pretty good. You may get a little human or rat DNA. 
You put some mushrooms on it, cook it up, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Stop it. You've you've eaten worse. Don't look at me like that. You know you have. So my favorite meme of the week. I think that we're going to start something up. I feel like Michael Pelko now. My favorite, the favorite meme of the week. Favorite, favorite meme, meme of the week. Uh, back of a minivan. You know how people have the little stickers on. Sometimes you see Calvin peeing on the Chevy symbol or the Dodge symbol or the Chrysler symbol or whatever. And, you know, they got the little stickers of the families, you know, the little kid, the little mom, the dad, the boy, the dog, the cat, whatever. On the back of this minivan, there's a mom, a dad, one, two, three, four girls, a boy, one, two more girls, and a little baby, and two cats on the stickers. So you're looking at mom and dad, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight kids, one boy, not sure what the baby is, and two cats. And the window is dirty. And someone has written on the window, OMG, stay off of her. (laughs) That's the meme, meme, meme of the week on the Jeff Fisher Show. So we've got, uh, I've got a ton of stuff to get to today. We've got uh, micro stuff on jobs. Man, I want to talk to you a little bit about work. It's unbelievable to me how... um, uh, people don't really want to work anymore. You know they don't. I mean, I don't. I don't. I I honestly, I don't want to work anymore. I'm okay with someone saying, Jeff, you've won $240 million. Go away now. I am gone. You know, except for this show. I mean, I want to be with you, of course. I never want to leave you. You and I? You and I? Now, we talked a little bit about, I think it was on this show where we talked a little bit about Coke Zero changing their name and having to put uh, Coke Zero sugar on it in the U.K. and just agonizing and changing the color codes of their cans so they all got the Coca-Cola red and stuff. But Budweiser, Budweiser is going to be selling America beer for the next few months. It's definitely a not over-the-top statement. Oh, no, not at all. We're embarking on what should be the most patriotic summer of this generation has ever seen. Because we've got Rio 2016 Olympic and Paralympic Games. Budweiser has always strived to embody America in a bottle, and we're honored to salute this great nation where our beer has been passionately brewed for the past 140 years. Although it's not owned by an American company anymore. But that's okay. Don't worry about it. And we're going to make sure that everybody gets drunk and gets Zika virus in Brazil. But we love you as an America. Drink it. Drink it up. Drink it up. And wait. And wait for everybody to be getting Olympic Zika. The Olympic Zika. What's wrong with you? Ooh, he has Olympic Zika. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Was a success. B 
begin life force reboot program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello. Why is it that you get songs stuck in your head? I've got other things to talk to you about, but I've had this song stuck in my head for, we've talked about this before. We've talked about it before. I know we have. As I say it out loud, and I just, I can't help it. I get these songs in my head for days. It's been like three days, maybe four. Maybe been longer. I don't remember. It's a couple weeks ago. About driving around with my daughter. Listen, we're doing running around doing something. I got the radio on, and on comes a song. Now, I hadn't heard it before. Come to find out, it was released in 2011. It's from I because I, I you know my daughter is like that's great. Let's hear that again. Let me see your phone, my eight year old. Let me see your phone. Like I bring it up, we can play it again. Okay. So, it's Kelly Clarkson, Mister Know It All. I know. Don't, 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 don't not look at me like that. Okay, I got it. It's Kelly Clarkson. I got it. I said, don't look at me like that. But it's this Mister Know It All. I cannot get this stupid song out of my head, and so it's almost gone. I mean, it's almost, it's just uh, just way out there, way back there. It's still there. It's still there because it's still, anything could spark it, but it's, it's gone. It's almost gone. It's almost over the horizon. If I hear it or somebody mentions a word like lonely, that's why it could come back, could raging back into my head, but it's almost gone. And I walk into the house. Yesterday afternoon. And what is my daughter singing? Mr. It comes crashing back into my brain for another couple of days. Anyway, that's the story of my last couple of my days. Work now. I was walking around trying to get rid of Kelly Clarkson, Mr. Know-it-all in my head. <laughs> Sorry. So let's talk a little job, shall we? Mike Rowe, I, 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 I look. Some sometimes Mike will say something and you go, Mike, uh, no. What are you thinking? But most of the time, you think yes. You are right on, Mike. So I read his post, and he's pissed at Wallet Hub and a Ten News out in California for reporting on it the way they reported on it. But his Facebook post says, when people ask me why millions of good jobs remain unfilled while millions of able-bodied Americans remain unemployed, I try to alternate my responses between a decline in work work ethic, an onslaught of unrealistic expectations, and our irresistible desire to reward bad behavior. But I think the biggest reason so much legitimate opportunity goes unloved is due to our bizarre obsession with separating good jobs 
from bad jobs. And there's no better way to discourage the next generation from learning a skill that's actually in demand than by telling them that certain jobs are bad and therefore beneath them. Consider the latest wisdom from the luminaries at Wallet Hub. For whatever reason, these arbiters of job satisfaction have taken it upon themselves to identify the best and worst vocations in America. To accomplish this, a cadre of experts were consulted as WalletHub compared and contrasted over 100 entry-level occupations across the key three key dimensions, immediate opportunity, growth potential, and job habits, habits, hazards. Job hazards. I can speak. I can say that word. Next, because science is important, WalletHub identified 11 relevant metrics. Each was assigned a corresponding weight. Then each metric was given a value between 0 and 100, wherein 100 represents the most favorable conditions for a specific entry-level position and 0 the least. In this way, 109 different occupations were ranked from first to worst. I'm tempted to spell out the absurdity of WalletHub's methodology to show why the statistics they use are as flawed as they are irrelevant. Instead, I'm just going to post their top 10 and bottom 10 careers and direct you to their website where you can judge their methodologies and agenda for yourself. In the end, Mike says, at a time when society should be celebrating opportunity wherever it occurs, in all its varied forms, we instead shine a light on research that demonizes work, disparages the skilled trades, discounts the importance of dozens of good careers, and demeans thousands of skilled trade people. Madness. If I were just a little older, I'd be standing on the porch in my bathrobe, shaking my finger and saying, shame on you, Channel 10, shame on you, Wallet Hub. Sadly, no one takes angry men in bathrobes seriously. So I'm instead offering $400,000 of worth work ethic scholarships to people interested in pursuing the very careers in Wallet Hub's bottom 10. And what are those bottom 10, you ask? Well, those bottom 10, welder, floor assembler, plumber, boilermaker, carpenter, tool and die maker, automotive mechanic, Emergency dispatcher, machinist, a drilling engineer, aircraft painter. Those are the bottom of the list. Bottom of the list for entry-level jobs. Think of that. And who is most important when you need them? The... Well, I guess, I guess the obvious answer is when you need them, man, they're all important. Number one on the list is engineer for entry-level job. Engineer. When's the last time you said, I need an engineer? Or a plumber? I'm guessing most of you listening have needed a plumber. before you needed an engineer, right? So good for Mike. You know, look, Mike is a big proponent for jobs, and, man, I'm telling you, there are companies all over, and he knows this, that are dying for employees. And these entry-level positions on many of these jobs are going to be way more than your little nasty $15 an hour wage. 
You got to learn a little something, and then you got to work. We've all had, look, what I do for a living now is not manual labor. There is no, make. I make no bones about that. I'm happy that there's no manual labor. Okay? I don't want to do manual labor. All right. Have I done it? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, I have. Why? Because I needed a job. And I needed to feed myself. And I needed to feed my family. And I don't know. I mean, I, I've, we've talked, I've, I guess we've talked about it before, but I mean, I've worked forever. I mean, I started working probably when I was 11, 10 or 11, working uh, every Saturday for Mr. Wallace, the guy down the street who owned horses and kept them at the fairgrounds. And we'd drive out to the fairgrounds and I'd clean horse stalls on Saturday and wash horses and take out horse poop straw and bring in fresh straw. That was my job. And I'll never forget after talking. And this old guy, Mr. Wallace, was an old, worked for the railroad. He was an old guy, World War I guy. Had, and I remember him asking, you know, he needed me help. And we used to talk, he loved it because I was, you know, loved sports and he was a big sports guy. And uh, fascinating, fascinating old man. I would love to talk to him now. And, uh, So he asked me to do this, and I and he said, "You're going to have to ask your folks, you know, if you can, if I can take you out there, but we'll, you know, you can come out there every Saturday, and I'll pay you." So I go home, and my dad's sitting there, and I said, "Hey, Dad, well, you know, Mister Wallace asked if it was okay uh, if I, you know, worked for him on Saturdays uh, out at the fairgrounds." And you told him yes, right? Well, he wanted to make sure that it was okay. You can go back down there and tell him you'll do it. There's no need for you to be standing in this kitchen now. Go tell him. You got a job? Get your ass out of here. <laughs> I think that was probably my first actual job where I, you know something was expected of me. And, you know, we had Anderson Cooper on the radio show yesterday. And he'll be on the TV show whenever Glenn interviewed him for the TV show, but he was on the radio show yesterday and he was fascinating. What a nice guy and a fascinating individual. And he talked about his, whatever his great, 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 great grandpa or whoever it was, you know, the original Vanderbilt and how he started at, I think he may have even said uh, 10 or 11 or something of building a shipping empire by, he started by bringing people stuff across the river by rowing people's stuff across the river in a little boat. You know how you could not do that today? There's not a there's not a regulation in the country that would allow an eleven year old kid to row a boat across a river with somebody else's luggage and their stuff and deliver it to the other side. This is not gonna happen. Why? All for your safety. All for your safety. I mean, it is, it's pretty amazing. But when you start thinking that I can't, I don't want to do that job. That job is nasty. That's the bottom 10. Ooh. 
Ooh, a plumber? Ooh, an automotive mechanic? So what happens when you need a plumber and an automotive mechanic? You hope that they're trained and know their business, right? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. So why not it be you? Uh-huh. You can quote me on that, too. Why not it be you? It's my new, it's my new slogan. I mean, I, now I'm thinking about all these jobs that I had just to have money. I delivered pianos and organs. I worked at a radio station at the same time. I worked all through, all through school. I didn't know a time where we didn't, I didn't have a job. And it was just, so I had some cash. I wanted money. I wanted my money. And now, thankfully, oh, man, wish I was a kid now. Because now the government just provides it, and it's all good. Here we go. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show is on. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Michael Pelka, Puro Pelka coming up uh, immediately following this broadcast. Although Mike is, uh, I don't know what, he was on vacation. Is he off? Is he sick? I hadn't heard from him. I mean, I hope everything's okay. You know. Oh, so... So he fills in for Buck Sexton. Let's see, that show is when? That show is when? Oh, I know. Monday through Friday, noon to 3 on the Blaze Radio Network. The Saturday show is when? The Saturday show is when? Is it Monday through Friday, noon to 3? No. No, Saturday is a separate day. Saturday is a separate day. From 8 to 10 Eastern, 8 to 10 Eastern. That's a completely different time. He takes his own show off just because he had to do a three-hour Buck Ed. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's kind of sad, actually. But I'll let it go because Charlie Harari is filling in for him. And I like Charlie. I just met him here in Dallas uh, end of last week. Nice guy. Does a podcast on the Blaze Blaze Radio Network. Just go there. Blaze.com slash radio. Scroll around. We've got new podcasts coming. they're, They're lining up now. We've got podcasts all rolled up on the Blaze Radio Network. So just... Log in and check it out. But, uh, I mean, I know that's an awful lot to ask, Mike, you know, to do Friday, noon to three, and then be able to do another two hours on Saturday. I mean, it's almost an impossibility. I got it. And, I, you know, Charlie is going to do a fine job, and I'm happy that he gets an opportunity to do that. But, I mean, seriously, that's sad. I mean, do you need a, I don't know, B12 shot? Maybe, I don't know, hit the low T center, check it out, see how you're doing, make sure everything's okay. Uh, That's all. That's all. I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about you. So Larry Ellison 
self-made billionaire, co-founder of Oracle, four-time divorcee, seventh richest man in the world. They're calling it a joke. I call it a hey, bite me. Uh, Received an honorary doctorate from USC and gave the commencement speech. At one point, he discussed how at some point, life is not about money. You thanks, Larry. At some point, you can't spend it all. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> oh, you kill me. Uh, you kill me. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, I only, you know, I, I, I own an island. I own this, I own that. Don't worry about it. You can't spend it all. At some point, you can try and try, but you just can't. <laughs> I can't stop the money from coming in now. Ugh. Makes me sick. Oh, wait a minute. He was joking. <laughs> oh, that's funny, Larry. That's uh, funny. Yeah, it's funny. Rich people joking about how much money they have. Makes me real funny. Real funny. Oh, sad news, too. Speaking of uh, richest people and companies, uh, Apple, no longer the richest company. Couple times already this year, in the past year, they dropped out of first place. Stock price <laughs> dropped a little bit. They're not the richest company. Apple is slipping, man. <laughs> I mean, when you go from one to two and then back up to one and then back down to two a couple times, you're slipping big time. Big time. And can we stop with the Google Alphabet thing? What I mean, it's like uh, it was like when Prince changed his name to the symbol or whatever. It's like the artist formerly known as Prince with the symbols and everything. And sooner or later, it's like Prince. Okay, we got it. You don't want to be the symbol, but you can't be the artist formerly known as Prince with the symbol thing forever. And Google with your whole with the Alphabet thing. Nobody's going to call you Alphabet. Okay, you can call it whatever you want for the rest. Of, nobody is. Alphabet, the Alphabet company, formerly known as Google, is the richest company in the world. Stop. It's Google. You can play your little games with your Alphabet and all that stuff, but it's it's Google, okay? Can we stop with the little game thing? Because it drives me insane. The artist, formerly known as Prince. The company, formerly known as Google. The parent company, now Alphabet. Stop it. And I know one of my producers in New York sent me a story about uh, robots delivering stuff at parties. But we just saw a thing not long ago that the robots are started not really doing as well as they anticipated. So there's some programming issues with the delivery process using robots as waiters and servers. But I am willing. I am willing to give them a try. So if you need a, you know, a prototype human to be delivered on with these robots, I'm here for you. I am here for you, robot people. <laughs> No question about it. All right, Tim Ballard coming up on the other side of this uh, slight go away from regular broadcasting. Talk about his new movie coming out on Monday. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
Jeff Fisher. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA, Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio, and Instagram at JeffyMRA. This coming Monday, the 16th, there's going to be a movie out called The Abolitionists. You need to go and see it. Joining me now, a man who, you know, it's not really a starring role, but it is a starring role in the movie, The Abolitionist, is Tim Ballard, who is in charge of Operation Underground Railroad, our rescue. Uh, I met Tim a few years ago, and I was blown away at the work that they do. And if you want to be able to see a movie that will, this, this is, this is, I don't know if this is a good sell or not, but it'll make you um, cry, laugh, feel sad, feel happy, cry, be angry, all in one movie. That's pretty much what what will happen during the abolitionist. Tim Ballard, welcome to the broadcast. How are you, sir? Thanks so much, Jeffy, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. No problem. Listen, so the movie is Monday. What do I have to do to go see it? And then we'll talk a little bit about what happens in the movie. Well, uh, go to fathomevents.com. That, that's who's uh, hosting this in about 600 different theaters nationwide. And you just put in your area code and they, they, they uh, or your zip code, and they, um, they'll right. tell you what theaters are, are near your, 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 uh, your town. So they're so everywhere. It's a one-night event? That's right. It's fathom it's one night. And if enough people show up, of course, we hope that the film gets picked up all over the place. <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> now, a little bit about the movie. Um, what you do and what your operation does is rescue children from different places around the world who are being traded as sex slaves, correct? That's right, yes. Um, yeah, it's, it, go ahead. It's it's um, So my team, Operation Underground Railroad, is made up of uh, former law enforcement. We have former CIA, former Navy SEALs, former military, and what we do is we go in and we, we, we work with with governments all around the world uh, and, and show them how, I uh, give them the tools that they need, uh, and we go along with them as we, as we infiltrate these black markets uh, that, that sell children. And in the film, you're going to see our first two operations uh, in, in Haiti and in Colombia where we do just that. And uh, how many, okay, so how many of these operations do you do a year? Is there any specific amount, or is it just as needed? You know, it's it's every year just keeps growing. Uh, the, the more funding that we get, the more we do. We we're not even able to keep up with the, the, the demand. Uh, we're we're being invited all over the place. So we have been in twelve countries. We've we've been we've been able to conduct about twenty operations a, a year, uh, which which you know yields about wow. anywhere from ten to to thirty um, children in each operation. So it's it's been quite a uh, you know, and 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 we continue to grow. I mean, we're we're in. Uh, we're, we're, like I said, we're in 12 countries. I have teams out right now, uh, three different teams as we speak, um, setting up and doing operations. You are amazing. Uh, I The first time that we met and I heard and saw what you guys were doing, and I I mean, it's like I, I can't – I want to help. I even, I remember telling you I'll I'll go I'll do whatever you need me to do I'll just go and I then the more I I I hear and see and listen I don't know that I can I could do it I might just want to have to end someone's life immediately 
I don't know that I could ever get to the end. You know what I mean? I don't think I could get through the process of getting to the end to actually put these people away and end what they're doing uh, legally. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, you're, you're sitting across face-to-face with these uh, these guys who are selling kids, and, and they're selling these kids to you as if you know, they're, they're talking to you like they're, like they're selling a bicycle or a computer part. Like it is, it's, it's a total commodity, and it's, it's absolutely just punches you in the gut. And yet you gotta you gotta smile at them and act like they're your friend and you get this and you want this. It, it's 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 tough. Boy, no kidding. Okay, so how did you get started on this? I mean, what did you just one day say? You know what? <laughs> this is yeah, something I, I need to do. I spent I spent twelve years as a special agent in the in the government, uh, doing these cases uh, almost exclusively working child child crimes, child trafficking cases, and. And uh, mid 2000, the laws changed um, in the United States, and it, it allowed for agents, kind of opened the doors for agents to go work overseas. Um, and that's when my eyes were really open. I mean, I'd heard the statistics, you know, two million children forced into clinical sex trade. But when I, but when I was, when I was actually got into the situations and went in undercover, I couldn't believe how blatant it was. I mean, just in your face, children, ten years old, eleven years old, younger, sold on the beach on the street corners. And um, I, unless there was a U.S. nexus, in other words, unless there was an American so uh, involved in the case, I, it, there, it wasn't a, it wasn't the business of the United States for the most right. part. And and so it was hard to get uh, a lot of resources. And and that's when I decided, you know, if, if I was private, we could we could um, we could move quickly. We could uh, we wouldn't have jurisdictional limitations, and we could just go in. Uh, you know, we could be in Thailand on on Monday and Mexico on Wednesday. And, and back in the states on Friday, and and so that's what we've been able to do, and that's that's why I left uh, to create Operation Underground Railroad. It is amazing. Are those numbers? Uh, you say two million kids. Are those numbers? Is that number low? Oh, that's conservative. I think absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so, um, in the movie, tell us a little bit about the movie. What the what we're going to uh, experience uh, in, in the film on Monday. Well, what's, uh, so the, the producer of the film is uh, Jerry Mullen. Uh, he's the Oscar winner of Schindler's List. Uh, he did Jurassic Park. So I was I was extremely humbled when he came to me and uh, told me he wanted to make this film. And and um, the idea he had was kind of crazy. Uh, I, I didn't know if it was going to work because what he wanted to do was put cameras on the ground and he, so, so you actually are watching this in real live. You know, right. um, it's it's a it's a it's so yeah, it's, it's not, a documentary. Right, it's it not a reenactment. It's not a reenactment. Right, it's I not a reenactment. I, I thought that's what he wanted to do when he first brought it to my attention. But he said, no, no, no. Let's put let's put my guys, my my, my camera guys, undercover with your teams, and we'll we'll, we'll use undercover cameras. I've had people accuse us of actually falsifying footage only because it's so good, uh, because these cameramen were so brave, and they went right undercover with us. So you're you're in the middle of this scene. I mean, you're 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 two feet away from traffickers selling kids, and you forget you're watching a a, a documentary because you're right there. I mean, it, it is it's, it's 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 amazing, and it it plays more like an action thriller, I think, than, than a documentary because you're you're actually just watching this happen as as, as it's happening. It uh, so all right. A couple of things. First, uh, Monday night. Uh, go to fathomevents.com and find out where the abolitionists are playing in your area and go and see it. Uh, well worth well worth your time 
effort and money. I mean, my the first time that uh, my daughter even heard a little bit about this, and she's only eight, she's putting quarters in an envelope and telling me, help them. So how do we help when we can? Well, uh, if you go to our website, which is ourrescue.org, uh, you can learn all about uh, us, uh, what we do, who we are. Uh, we're extremely uh, transparent charity. We are a charity, though. Uh, so what, all of our operations are, are, are conducted through the, uh, through the, through the charity and, and contributions of, of people who want to, who want to give. We are, we're a 501c3, um, uh, organization. And so, uh, yeah, it's ourrescue.org and, uh, come learn about us. Uh, the good thing about us is, like I said, we're so transparent because we have cameras following us around everywhere we go. So right. you, you know, you know what we do. It's, it's, it's right there for you to see. So we, we encourage people to come check us out. Now you, for uh, many years, and, or for however long, you said you started and you went undercover yourself. Are you undercover anymore at all? I mean, your face is pretty out there now. Yeah, I, uh, I've, had to, I've had to give up that, that role. But, um, are you I, okay with that? It's, it's, uh, it's bittersweet. You know, sometimes I feel like I never want to do this again because it's hard to do it. But at the right. same time, it's, it's um it's a bittersweet thing, you know, because when you're in there, when you're in there and you get to pull off the rescue and begin pull the kids out, I mean, of course, there's nothing there's nothing uh, better on earth, you know, to to experience. Right. But so it's it's bittersweet. But uh, I I know that I have to give it up just simply because my my face is out there and I've been able to recruit guys who who do it better than I do anyway. So so we're we're just moving along and I kind of my my roles have kind of shifted. Um, the kids, the children. When you rescue them, um, does the movie talk about what happens after at all? Yes, it does. I mean, this is so important because I mean, there is no rescue without the healing, and so we we won't even we will not even go into a country to operate uh, unless we have a partnership uh, that we trust with a vetted organization uh, that we know has all the tools that a child would need to to really be raised into adulthood if necessary, because often, uh, way too often, the families, there is no family to go back to, or, right. or the family is part of the problem. And so we, I mean, we've, there's been times when we've had to wait up to a year to operate, after, even after given, after an invitation comes in uh, from a country, we will not go in until we know that piece is in place. Uh, and in the film shows that right on the heels of the arrest, our partners are in there hugging these kids, uh, identifying them and telling them it's going to be okay and, and getting them to, 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 to safety and to, into a place where they could heal. I mean, the healing process has got, if ever, I, I don't know that, I, I mean, I, I guess we all hope and pray that they do heal and it doesn't affect them, but it has to, right? I mean, it almost, you're not, you're not going to get away from that forever. Uh, yeah, it, is, it, it is a long and difficult uh, process. I mean, you, you know, these, these, they, they brainwash these kids and they, they, they think that they're some kind of commodity to, to undo that, you know, takes, takes a lot of, of, of you know, professional uh, care and, and, and right. Okay. So you've done this for uh, a number of years now. How are, do you, have you gone back and uh, uh, visited or at least met with or got reports on the first rounds of people that you've rescued the kids that you've oh, rescued? Absolutely. In fact, in fact, in the movie, one of the opening scenes is exactly a scene of that where we, we go, we're going back and we're visiting um, the kids that, that we had rescued earlier and to see how they're doing, 
Uh, and we continue to do that to this day. We have a whole, we have a director of, of, um, of, of aftercare whose job it is to do that. She, uh, she goes in with a team and coordinates uh, with our partners, make sure they're vetted, and then she takes the teams back and to make sure that, that everybody is, um, you know, still doing well. What, what do they need? And, and the same can be said for the bad guys. I mean, we, we follow up to make sure they stay in jail, you know. Um, there's a scene in the film towards the end where we've done a couple operations in, in Colombia, and then we go back to Colombia, and we are talking to street vendors who otherwise would be the ones who would introduce us to traffickers, and nobody in Cartagena and in, in, in the areas that we operated in, nobody would sell us kids, and they all referenced the media about the Americans who kept getting arrested for coming down, and we recognized in that moment that, you know, we shut it down. It's yeah. working. And, 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 and yeah. there's kids that we've been able to rescue who never knew they needed to be rescued because they were never trafficked in the first place. And those are the kids we love to rescue. And that's our goal is to, is to shut it down and, and to, to prevent it. That is fantastic. Tim, you are a modern-day hero. I mean, I'm telling you, you <laughs> the work that you do Thank is you. Unbelievable. All right, so the movie Monday, uh, The Abolitionists, uh, you can go to uh, Operation uh, Underground, uh, ourrescue.org, uh, and check it out. There's a link there to uh, check out where the movie is in your area, or you can go to uh, theabolitionistmovie.com and uh, get the information there as well. Uh, Fathom Events uh, has it up as well. Uh, Monday night, don't miss it. Tim, thank you very much. It's good to Thanks talk so to much, you. It's good to talk to you. I look forward to seeing you soon. You too. Wow. Uh, I don't know if you have uh, uh, seen any uh, previews or footage or video of what these guys do, but I'm telling you, um, the first time, I said it a little bit when we first started talking to Tim, when I first saw and heard what these guys are doing, I want to help. I want to help. And then you see what they have to go through, and it isn't an act. You know, it isn't a movie where you're playing a bad guy, but you have to be a bad guy to rescue these kids. It's it's unbelievable. And he, seriously, he is a modern-day hero. This is The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. That it is. At Jeffy MRA on Twitter. At Jeff Fisher Radio on Facebook. At Jeffy MRA on Instagram. Puro Pelka, Michael Pelka coming up immediately following this broadcast. Charlie Harari filling in for him. Remember, he's, uh, I don't know this for sure, but I heard he's going to be giving away uh, Michael Pelka masks. I think they're just, you know, the face mask that you hold on a stick so you hold them up and you pretend you're him <laughs> why in god's name anyone would want to do that i don't know but that's what he's giving away uh good news too if you uh how ordering pizza can save your life yes ordering pizza can save your life domino's had a regular customer who had ordered all the time hadn't ordered in 10 days the manager hey how come he hasn't ordered i don't know we should send our driver over and check he was down on the floor with a stroke rescued him saved his life that's right, pizza. Pizza delivery. 
to your house could save your life. America is great. Anybody speaking to being great, that's you. Anybody told you you look great today? <laughs> no? <laughs> well, you do. You look fantastic. Okay? Except, I mean, you're not really going to wear that all day, are you? Ooh. Okay. This good on is you. the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.